Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, you're listening to the Saving You Is Killing Me podcast hosted by me, Andrea Seidel. I'm the author and founder of Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. This podcast is for you if you're ready to find a way to struggle well, take back your power, and live life happier while you're navigating loving or losing someone to addiction. I wholeheartedly believe that when you love someone with an addiction, your life gets damaged in some way. Since we can't control someone else's addiction, but we are greatly affected by it, the number one thing you can do is take back your power and focus on you. I believe happiness, joy, and well-being is available to anyone. So the thoughts and perspectives I share here on the show are my own and those of the guests on the show. If you ever hear anything that feels harmful or triggering, I'm pre-apologizing and I'm open to being better and value any feedback and the permission to be human. That said, always take what you love, what feels good and leave the rest. The conversations and tools I'll share here will give you everything you need to figure out exactly how to navigate addiction, put yourself first, and how to build resilience for your well-being in a way that feels really, really good. I use these tools to take back the power in my life to build my strength back up and restore peace, and I hope that you can do the same. Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. I hope you're doing as good as can be. I always say I wish we were meeting under different circumstances. However, I am so thankful and grateful that we found each other and that you aren't knowing that you're not alone. Um, I'm just pulling up a post here and I had to share it because, and I, of course, I'm going to just like change a bit of the wording just because I want to keep it anonymous. There was a post and it just, it broke my heart and it literally is the inspiration for this episode. It is about someone who posted and they felt like they basically had no friends and that they're just desperate to find someone who that they can talk to about the situation that they're finding themselves in. And now I have to say that I felt the exact same way. I felt so alone. Uh, I felt like I was the only one going through this and I was hiding it from the world. And so when I was in the muck of loving someone with an addiction, what I didn't realize is, holy cow, there are so many other people that are going through the same thing. There are so many other people that have been touched by addiction that knows the craziness and the challenge that comes when you love someone with an addiction. And so the post was all about, you know, just, you know, I'm just reaching out. I'm just posting here to see if anyone can just, you know, talk to me. I just want to know 
uh, that there are other people that are in the same position and that there are other people that have gone through this. And they just, they wanted to know that, you know, like talk to anyone who understands what it's like to be with someone with an addiction. So I thought today I am literally going to be your best friend. I always, I always joke to people who private message me or people in the group and I'm like, okay, I'm your new best friend. Like literally I have been through the muck. I have been through the experience of it. Now, of course, there's always different degrees and variations and addiction is so complex. So what one person goes through isn't the exact same as what someone else is going through, but you often feel really scared, very isolated and very much alone. And sometimes you just need an ear or you just need to like to listen to other people talking about their experience and just like what they have gone through, just so you feel a sense of comfort. So you feel a sense like, okay, I'm not going crazy. Like this is what's going on, or this is typical, or this, this happens to me too, or you know, and there's going to be varying degrees, like some things might happen to one person, but not another. And so I just wanted to do an episode on this because I thought like, oh my gosh, like when I read that post of like, that was me literally when I first found out about my addicted loved one's addiction, like it was hidden until it couldn't, he couldn't hide it anymore. So the first thing that I want to bring up is that being in a relationship with someone who is an addiction, it's incredibly challenging and it's emotionally draining and it's essential to understand that you know what it's almost like this honest depiction of what it's like to be with an addict I I wanted to do this episode because I wanted to help you recognize the effects of addiction are not only on the individual that is struggling with the addiction but it tremendously impacts all of us, those who care about them, those who love them, those that are in their lives. And so I just wanted to provide an honest depiction of what it's like to be with someone with an addiction. And I literally just took notes, like just a whole bunch of bullet points. So I'm just going to go off on a tangent for you today. And just so that you don't feel alone. So you recognize that, you know what, this is almost like an honest depiction of what it's like to be with someone with addiction so that you don't feel alone. So you don't feel isolated so that you can just hear like, oh yeah, okay. And so that's really the purpose of this podcast today is so that you don't feel alone, an honest depiction of what might you might be experiencing or what you might be struggling with or what it might be like to be with someone who has an addiction, just so that you can see the commonality of it, so that you can notice that you're not alone, so that you can not feel so isolated in this. And I hope that all this information will provide you with some degree of comfort and recognize that I'm always in the group. I'm an ear that can listen and I'm just here to comfort you and just um, be here to support you on all levels. That is why I created the book, the podcast and and the support group. So the first thing that you might be experiencing, these are just an honest depiction is a roller coaster of emotions. Living with an addict can lead to a roller coaster of emotions. So you might feel love and concern for them, but then you're also going to feel anger and frustration and sadness due to their actions and their behaviors. And these constant ups and downs, they are exhausting and they leave you feeling emotionally drained. That is so, so common. 
Another one is unpredictability. So addicts' actions and their moods, they're totally unpredictable. And they might promise to change or they might promise to quit their addictive behaviors only to relapse, only to go back like shortly after. And this unpredictability, it is so hard. It creates a sense of hopelessness. It creates insecurity in our relationships. It really affects us on so many levels. The other thing is that they, um, the addicts, basically we are trying to support the addicts in our lives, right? It's common for a loved one to develop this codependent behavior. And I don't like using the word because I feel like it's sort of labeling us, but where we're trying to, we are loving kind people. So we're trying to support our addicted loved ones and help, and we're prioritizing their needs over our own needs. And this can lead to a really, really harmful cycle that is just so damaging. It can leave us feeling drained. That's why it's called saving you is killing me because it's literally how I felt. The other thing is trust issues, right? Addiction often leads to broken trust as the person might lie, might steal, they might manipulate, they might, you know, do all these things to support their habit that rebuilding trust is so incredibly difficult and it can take a long time or if, and not at all. The other feelings or other honest depiction of when you love someone with an addiction is this feeling of isolation. You may feel isolated and alone because you might be hesitant to share your situation with friends and families. I know I protected my addicted loving because I was hopeful that it was going to get better and that I didn't want people to know what was really going on. And so that is so common. And sometimes there's shame and a bit of stigma associated with it. So this is a burden. We hold it into ourselves. This burden of keeping the addiction a secret can be overwhelming or even the burden of keeping uh, the behavior that you're you're dealing with a secret or what you've been putting up with a secret is so common and it can be very, very isolating. Not to mention there's financial strain. So addicted loved ones, they can lead to financial difficulties because they may not be able to sustain a job. Uh, it can lead to stress and strain on the relationship. It can impact your finances because they need to support their addiction and it affects future planning and all the stress associated with that because your addicted loved one is prioritizing the addiction, right? Addicts will often prioritize addiction over their relationships over their jobs, over responsibilities. So that can leave you feeling really unimportant, super undervalued. And that is a huge reality of addiction. Like this is like, these are all honest depictions of what might be going on for you. Uh, the other thing is that was really hard for me uh, is this emotional distance. So it, it creates, addiction creates emotional distance between partners, between your children or whoever it is in your life that is the addicted loved one, because that person struggling with their addiction, they're going to withdraw emotionally. They're going to become defensive. They're going to uh, protect their addiction. So it makes it really challenging to communicate effectively. So there's like this emotional distance or disconnect that you'll often feel. And then the other thing is that you might be fearful of relapse. It is so common. I know mine promised the world to me and that he would never do it again. And I don't know how many times he said that to me, right? He even said it to me in order to try to patch everything up when I found out what we were dealing with. 
but it just kept going back. And so relapse is a common part of the recovery process. So, but it's super devastating. It can be so devastating for both the person with the addiction, but oh my gosh, hello, the loved ones here, right? So the relapse is so challenging. It ignites feelings of disappointment and frustration and not this again and anger and sadness. And so that's the reality of it. It keeps going around in a circle sometimes. Okay, now mental health is completely impacted, right? Because being in a relationship with an addict, it takes a toll on us mentally, right? So we might be feeling anxious. We might be feeling depression because the love of our life is no longer kind of in that person or we've lost the love of our life. And it is so sad. Sometimes we mourn the loss of someone who is still alive and we feel helpless. And we feel that this is like, this is not a common, situation. This is so, so hard. And uh, it's just so devastating. So, you know, some of the things like one of the most challenging aspects of dealing with broken promises is basically your partner may promise to quit, or they may promise to seek help. And then they might believe that you're, he's going to do it or she, or he, or they're going to do it. And they, they have these broken promises because they go back into that cycle and you might believe them every time. And this is an emotional roller coaster. You're hoping for positive change. However, the addiction is so powerful and those promises are often unfulfilled and they lead to disappointment. They lead to hurt. And so you might be experiencing that as well. So an honest depiction too is that this manipulation and deception is so common. Addicts can become master manipulators. So they try to hide their addiction. They try to hide their addictive behavior. They're, they're shameful for it and they want to keep their addiction going. And they, they might be doing that, right? So they might lie. They might make excuses. I remember mine would say, I'm just going to get diesel. And then it'd be like six hours later, like, where are you? What are you doing? I can't tell you how many times you run at, ran out of diesel, right? I'm doing air quotes like, yeah, right. You ran out of diesel. Anyway, so this idea is, is that you're dealing with this deception and this manipulation. And, and sometimes I know mine would shift the blame. It's like he would try to pick a fight with me and make it about me. And I was like, wait a second, what? And then I would be defensive. I would try to defend myself. But then it's really, it's because he's trying to, take the attention off himself and make me the problem. And so that makes it so d difficult to like understand and trust. And that's the crazy making kind of thing. This is the gaslighting, the deception, the manipulation. So this is an honest depiction of what we deal with when we love someone with an addiction. Another thing is the physical and emotional abuse. It is so, so hard. In some cases, addiction can lead to actual physical abuse towards you. And of course, always protect yourself and seek out support and help when you need it. Uh, also, the emotional abuse is unbelievable what we go through. So substance abuse can alter behaviors. It can lead to aggression. It can lead to violent outbursts. It can lead to violence and just complete disregard for you as a human. And so that that can put you at risk. These are, this is an honest depiction. Like I'm not sugarcoating it here, right? Like I can't tell you how many times it's like so much heated anger came up and definite emotional abuse going on. So 
please, please, please recognize that this, like you're probably, some of you are like sitting here shaking your head, probably going, yes, 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 yes. Like checking it all off. This isn't every situation, but just, I'm just kind of trying to capture an honest depiction of what it's like to be with an addict. Uh, The other thing is that our, the addict in our life care solely for themselves and and when we care about someone with that uh, that has an addiction, we might find ourselves helping, supporting, saving, enabling, right? And we're doing this unintentionally. So if we start off by because we love these people, what we don't realize is that we're potentially supporting them and making them comfortable enough that supports their addiction. So I'm not pointing fingers at you. I do not want you to feel guilty or at fault or you're doing anything wrong. We already have enough that we're dealing with. I want you to feel this or pick up this sense that the more comfortable that we make them feel by giving them money, covering up for them, making excuses, paying their bills, we are actually taking, hindering their potential for recovery. We're hindering their ability to realize, holy cow, like I got to get my SHIT together. So we might be indirectly, unintentionally perpetuating the addiction. And I know I was guilty of that. And and, and, and I have no shame around it because I know it. I don't want you to have shame either. You're a loving, caring, kind human that is supporting someone that you love. And that is why. So just remember that there is, um, we want to make sure that there's good helping and helping that maybe isn't as good because it might be enabling. And I did a whole episode all about uh, helping, enabling and things like that. I suggest going back to that episode. So good. So, okay. So the other thing is you might be living in constant fear and anxiety. I know I was, I was just like worried about him constantly. I had so much anxiety going on. Like, where's he going? What's he doing? What's wrong with him? Why would he be staying up all night? What's going on with him? He's so, maybe he has this, maybe he's doing that. Like the, the, the anxiety that came up was unbelievable. And this is an honest depiction. Like I had sleepless nights and you might be having them too. So living with an addict can lead to a constant state of fear, of anxiety, where we're we're literally in the stress response on a regular basis. And our nervous system is just getting taxed. And so, you know, you might be worrying about their safety. You might be worrying about their health. I know I was. And like, what, what can we, what might they do next? Or what can I do next to help them? This chronic stress can take a significant toll on your well-being. I know for me, I started breaking out with pimples all over my chin from the stress and it's just it's just so, so hard. This is, you know, part of the, the realities of an addiction or honest depiction of what it's like to be with an addict. And so this, this idea too is that what happens is we start caring so much for them or worried so much about that we have intense focus on our partners or our children with the addiction, that it can actually lead to us neglecting our own needs, to us neglecting the care that we require. And so you might be feeling guilty for taking time to yourself. You might feel guilty for, you know, going out with friends like, ooh, what if he does come home and then we could actually have dinner together or like, oh, like, you know, it's like your world revolves around them. 
And so really, really important to recognize that neglecting of your own self-care and your neglecting your own needs is so common when you have the world of addiction. And this is an honest depiction. And, you know, cause you want to be available, right? You're taking, taking time for yourself and seeking help and support for yourself is really important. It's really, and, and that's what this whole community is about, but you might be neglecting that. So the other thing is, is you might be isolating yourself from others and you may not realize that you're doing this initially. I didn't, I just wasn't going out with my friends as much. And I was so tired because I wouldn't sleep at night. And I was so over concerned and I realized, oh my gosh, it, it was just, it became like part of the, part of loving someone with an addiction. Addiction is, can be so isolating and you might withdraw from your friends. You might withdraw from your family because you might want to avoid judgment or you want, might want to protect your partner secrets or protect them in some way. And so, so sometimes isolation might be showing up, but this is an honest depiction of what it might be like. Like this isolation can make you feel and leave you feeling lonely and unsupported. So we talked about financial instability. I mean, addicts, compulsive behaviors, they drain financial resources. Mine was stealing from my wallet. Um, of course, I stopped leaving my wallet in my car. I started keeping it in my bedroom beside me, um, beside the bed, because I, I he was just taking my, my money, indirectly taking money from me because he stopped doing truck payments and the truck was in my name. Uh, so I had to keep paying it anyway. So that is so stressful. So, you know, you may find yourself in debt or facing financial hardships or worried that you can even pay the bills because of their addiction and addictive related expenses. And maybe they're not working because they've lost their job. Like these, this is an honest depiction of when you love someone with an addiction. Oh, it's so hard. Anyway, so, and also guilt and shame is common for partners of addicts to experience this feeling of guilt and shame. Like I remember feeling so worried that, you know, if I was too hard on him, that he would kill himself. I remember being so worried that I'd have to tread so lightly and walk on eggshells. And I was, I had so much, like, maybe I was too hard on him and that's why he left. It's like, what, Andrea? Like, look at what he's done to you. Like, I'd have to like, oh my gosh, like, so it's common for partners of addicts to experience this, to experience feelings of shame, questioning if you're contributing to their addiction. I remember him basically picking fights too. Sometimes like, am I not fun? Like he's going out to this house that he always goes to. It's like, I'm staying there all night. It's like, like, am I not fun anymore? Like maybe he doesn't find me sexy anymore. I remember feeling shame. Like it was my... And then am I driving him? Did I ca cause him to grow up too fast? Cause he was a lot younger than me. And so all those questions of shame, I had shame. It's like, no, Andrea, no, 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 no. I had to talk to myself anyway. So you might be feeling things like that, questioning if you have contributed to their addiction or that, you know, if they, like, if you could be doing more to help them or more to support them, or did I say that in the wrong way? Did I drive them to go have a relapse? Is it my fault? And you have all this guilt and shame around it. And these feelings are normal. But remember, they should be addressed. We should look at these uh, feelings because we didn't cause it. We can't cure it. You know, it, it, there's basically you can't, you didn't cause it. You can't control it. You can't cure it. Remember those three C's and, and recognizing that 
actually, no, that is their problem. We, we did not cause that. Okay. So the other thing is you might be feeling, and this is an honest depiction, helpless. I felt so much helplessness and frustration because nothing I did would help. And that is like, I think that's a recipe for feeling insane because I kept trying, trying, trying all these things, but nothing I did and nothing I could do could save him. And that makes you feel completely helpless and frustrated. And so despite your love and your support, and you know, you might be feeling this sense of helplessness. You might be feeling helpless and frustrated because you're witnessing someone you love, your partner, your children struggle with addiction. You, it's like your hands are tied. You're watching someone go down this downward spiral and you might be feeling this, how painful this is. It's painful to see someone you care about suffering. It's painful to watch someone that you love change and go down this spiral and become someone that they're, it's not them. And it is so hard, yet we can't fix them. We can't fix the problem for them. And this is so, so hard, right? And so there's so many honest depictions. There's the broken promises, the manipulation, the abuse, the enabling that behaviors that we kind of get lodged into because we love and care for these people. And we're neglecting our own needs. We're maybe isolating ourselves from others. We have loss of trust and even intimacy. I, I remember thinking, am I not sexy anymore? Like you'd rather go in the garage and stay in the garage all night when you could come in and, and be with me. Like it was so bizarre for me and so hard. Like the emotional distance just caused just so much strain on our relationship. And I actually started to no longer feel comfortable sharing my feelings because I'd be scared my head's going to get bit off or I, you know, I didn't even want to be vulnerable anymore with my partner. And like, and it just, the distance kept growing between us and just so frustrated, frustrating. So there's so many things that we deal with when you have an addicted loved one in your life. I, the the broken relationships, addiction has such a strain on relationships with families and friends, like your partner's behavior causes, can cause conflict, you know, with so many people in their life, right? It's, it leads to a strained and broken relationship. Oftentimes the dramatic mood swings, addiction can lead to so many t- intense mood swings, right? In your partner or your children. And so that, you know, they might be really energetic and euphoric. I remember thinking mine was like, oh, I like this version of you. And then by the way, I found out that those times were probably when he was under the influence and, you know, but then he would have these moments of such irritability and depression and just anxiety and just like, you know, and that was when he was obviously experiencing withdrawal or coming down and he would sleep for days. And so this unpredictable behavior too is so erratic and this erratic behavior, it is so crazy. I mean, he would disappear for extended periods of time without any explanation. And suddenly bingo, he's back with love letters. Like it, it's, it's unbelievable. The, the honest depiction here, I hope I'm capturing it 
so that you feel and notice like, oh my gosh, like I'm not the only one going through this or okay, this makes sense. And this is what it's like to be with it. Like I, I it's what comes up for me when I'm saying all these things is that when someone has an addiction and then they get all the attention, but really my heart goes to all those people, all of us, all of you, the listeners, my heart goes out to you because I know how hard it is to love someone with an addiction. We are actually, and I believe this, I believe we're struggling more because we're not numbing out that we're, we're seeing this clear and we're seeing the person that we love just go down this dark, dark path and we can't turn the light on. We can't turn the light on and it's so, so hard and so the, I hope that I'm capturing the honest depiction of what it's like to love someone with an addiction that, you know, you as a listener are understanding that this is hard. This is so challenging and devastating. And so uh, it's just, I just wanted to go off on that tangent because I, uh, you know, it, no one even triggers me and this is just me. And I'm like, you know, when I hear someone like say, they say, oh, uh, I'm sober. Like I've been X amount of years sober. And then they get like a round of applause or they're like, everyone's excited for that person. It's like, well, what about all the family members who have had to go through the roller coaster, the merry-go-round and like, they need a round of applause. I always say, okay, they're going into the treatment center. Wonderful. Where's our treatment center? We need one. <laughs> anyway, I digress. And yes, that's my tangent. And I don't want to offend anyone in any way. And, but I do believe, and I know from my whole experience and my heart, it is so challenging to love someone with an addiction. And that is why I create, I'm so passionate about this community and supporting those, the loved ones of addiction. And so the other thing is, you know, there's loss of stability, um, the unpredictable behavior, the inconsistency caused by addiction basically disrupts the stability in your life. Cause you, for me, I like, I don't know if I'm going to be with this person in the next two months. Or I remember one time he was so agitated because I guess he was in withdrawal and we were in a boat and he was literally yelling at me in front of friends that we had there. And I remember thinking in my head, if this doesn't get better by October, we're done. And I remember, but then October would turn to January and then January would turn to the, you know, we kept pushing off because I love this man. And I was hoping, and I was so hopeful that like, and I would get glimmers of hope. He would love bomb me, love letter me. There was sometimes he would be back and then he wouldn't be. And then he would treat me and really like the unstable behavior and just unbelievable. So plans, I could not rely on plans. The the instability, the loss of stability. Like if I made a plan, I'd be like, oh, I might be coming by myself because if he was on a binge and then not around, or if he was sleeping, then he wouldn't be coming with me. Or I would plan to, you know, go away on trips. And so plans canceled a lot or changed last minute because of my partner's unpredictable behaviors. 
unbelievable. The other thing, the realities of addiction, or that I don't even want to call them the realities. It's like the uh, honest depiction is that your partner is going to blame external factors. They're going to blame you. You're going to be the reason they have this problem, the reason they go and take off. You're, you're going to be blamed. And that is one of the natures of addiction is that they blame others. Your partner might blame external factors or other people for their addiction, for their struggle. And they avoid taking personal responsibility for their actions. And that is pretty common. The other thing is that health problems might start to come up. I know with my addicted loved one, his health like led to deteriorating health, like physically and mentally he was changing. And I remember there's a picture where we were supposed to go out for dinner, but he didn't end up coming. I ended up going with my children alone to celebrate one of my accomplishments. He was so angry, frustrated. He didn't want to go. And we got all dressed up nice and I was trying to take pictures. And I remember looking at that picture. I kept the picture because he had sunken, sunken eyes. His face was completely pale. He looked like death. And I remember thinking there is something seriously wrong here. And so health problems might be coming up and then more concern for them, right? And this can lead to chronic health issues and they can lead to things. It leads to, he was in a massive car accident where he totaled his truck and he had head trauma. And, you know, there's also an increased risk, obviously, of accidents and um, illegal behavior. I know mine would like drink and drive craziness and even or overdose, right? We're so scared of that or that can happen very common and easily. And so this is the reality and the honest depiction of what it's like to love someone with an addiction. You're in constant crisis mode, constant crisis mode. Living with an addict means that you're, you're in a constant state of wondering what if, or worried, like, are they going to get in an accident? Are they going to overdose? Are they going to steal from me again? Are they ever going to come home? Are they going to, you know, all these things were in crisis mode and you may be dealing with emergencies, emergencies related to addiction, medical issues. You might be going to the police office and drain, uh, releasing them out. Uh, you might be going to the hospitals in the middle of the night, like me, you know, all these things, you're in constant crisis mode. And this is an honest depiction of loving someone with addiction. The other thing is, there becomes this loss of shared interest. It's almost like they have a whole nother life. I always said that he, I felt like he had a separate mystery life going on, like different friends that like I didn't really know. He didn't associate with me. So you almost have this decrease of shared interest or the things that you used to do together or the things that maybe you did with your children. There's a change. There's a shift there. Like activities that you once enjoyed it may no longer be possible or the it, you just don't do them anymore, right? And so your addicted loved one is more drawn to their addiction and they no longer show interest maybe in these hobbies or shared interests or, you know, and, and all those things maybe take a back seat for them. So then there's this loss of connection with that person that you love. And it's just, it's, it's, um, um, it's, a, it's devastating. Another thing is just sheer, oh my gosh, here is an honest depiction, exhausted. I remember being emotionally exhausted. I remember thinking, 
I just can't do this anymore. I felt so emotionally exhausted. The roller coaster of addiction. Oh my gosh, it can leave you so drained and fatigued. And that is a number one, I could say, like reality of loving. It's it's an it's an honest depiction. But if you're feeling exhausted, okay, you're human, especially when you love someone with an addiction. The amount that you're gonna feel exhausted is it's so, so common. So please see the humanness in this. This is a Debbie Downer episode, but I just wanted to make sure that, especially for that post and for that person that was saying that, it's like honest depiction of what it's like, like so that you can feel alone, not alone. I don't want you to feel alone because this is so key. It's so key for you to recognize, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. This is what I'm dealing with. I'm not alone. And I hope you find comfort in this. Not that your your comfort's coming from other people's suffering, but the comfort in knowing that, okay, so it's common. This is typical. This is what it's like to be with an addict. Uh, That is really the purpose of this. You're not alone. And to recognize that everything in this community, my whole entire book is all about taking back your power, focusing on you, moving yourself up the priority list in terms of caring for yourself and your well-being. It's like turning up the volume on self-compassion, love and understanding for yourself because this is hard. It is not easy. And so the other thing that really comes up, and I'm going through my list, I know I'm just going off on a tangent on this, and I thought it was going to be a short episode, but clearly there's a lot more to it than I thought. <laughs> the honest depiction is this loss of future plans. So it's so hard because addiction really disrupts your future plans. It, for me, it's like, oh my gosh, like am, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be with this person forever. I thought we were going to get married. I thought we were going to like have a beautiful life together. So suddenly, your world kind of it's like the carpet gets pulled out from underneath you. Is your future plans? start to be in question, like you're not sure. And so addiction disrupts our long-term plans. It, it, it changes our dreams that maybe we had as a couple, or it, it makes you uncertain about your child's future. If it's your child or whoever it is, or your sister, brother, this uncertainty about the future can lead to anxiety. It can lead to stress and just just a feeling of discontent. And we call it cognitive dissonance. It's like, well, what I thought was going to be a beautiful future for myself is now in question. And so it's like, you're getting that carpet pulled out from underneath you and gives you this sense of hopelessness. Like despite your best efforts and your support and, you know, whatever you're doing, it's like, oh my gosh, there, this addiction is relentless. Addiction has such a grip and they can lead to these feelings of hopelessness and, and that this, that the uncertainty about your future. Of course, there's the whole fear of overdose or um, taking their lives. You know, if your partner uses drugs, they're in constant, they, there's a constant fear that they might experience an overdose, right? And that especially if they're using substances, right? And, and that is so, so challenging. So other things that come up is obviously loss of trust and intimacy, sacrificing personal goals. You might be putting yourself aside, putting all your goals and your own dreams on the back burner. You might put your dreams, your aspirations on the back burner because you are 
you know, or you might abandon them altogether. You might like be like, I don't even, I can't even focus on my dreams right now because you're so focused on supporting your partner through their addiction or supporting their children. And so that's very common. And that's an honest depiction of what might be going on. And like, you might find yourself in dual roles. Like you might find yourself in the role of caretaker, like you're trying to take care of them, but then you're also in the role of therapist, like you're trying to help them work through mentally. And, or, you know, if you're like, if you're a parent, um, it's hard. Like there might be blurred boundaries and like uncertainty because you you don't want to disown your child, but like, and kick them out of the house. And then, but there's all this blurredness and there's all these role, like, you know, it's like, it's so hard. You might have boundaries that are blurring, like what you normally would tolerate, would never tolerate. It's like, you're tolerating that. Like, I remember him talking to me in such abusive way that, I remember thinking if if I was just dating you and you ever talked to me like this, or if I was a fly on the wall listening to how you're talking to me, it's like, oh my God, I would never tolerate that. So you can see how your boundaries can get blurred in a relationship. And that is so common. That's an honest depiction of what might go on because you're like, or we might excuse out behavior, right? Like I know like, okay, so he's he's clearly high, he's clearly drunk. So let's wait till the morning. And then hopefully he'll, he'll like come around. It's like, wait a second, but still abuse is abuse is abuse is abuse. And so we sometimes excuse out because of the influence or the addiction, what is going on and tolerating it more. So our tolerance level uh, changes, right? So over time, you might be tolerating more and more behavior that you once considered unacceptable, such as lying, such as stealing, such as emotional manipulation. Like one time you might've thought that's unacceptable, but it starts slowly starts to become more and more regular part of your life. And I remember thinking, waking up like, what, what am I putting up with here? Like unbelievable. And so, but no, no shame. I'm not, I don't want you to like have any bad feelings around that. I want you just to recognize like it happens. It happens because it creeps in. It slowly gets worse and worse. It's not like it happens overnight or, you know, and this person that we love is sort of shifting and changing. So we, we slowly, the tolerance for it builds and we actually don't realize sometimes of how, like, I remember him yelling at me in the boat and and having my friend look at me going like, wow, like, do you, does he always talk to you like that? I like, actually, yeah, lately he does. (laughs) And so, you know, things like that. So, so your tolerance for unacceptable behavior, that is very common when you love someone with an addiction. And, um, so yeah, we talked about, uh, personal goals. Um, so the other thing is sometimes we have this hope and this is, I remember thinking my hope kept me in that abusive, challenging darkness of addiction relationship for far too long, um, because I believed in him, like, 
more than I thought anyone else believed in him. I had so much hope and I felt like I could see the person that he was going, that he has the potential to be. And I kept holding on to potential and I kept holding on to this hope for change. And this is so common. This is a truth. This is like an honest depiction of what it's like to be with an addict. We hope for change and that hope, despite hardship, despite abuse sometimes, despite all those things, we may be holding on to hope that our partner will eventually overcome their addiction, that our partner will, or, or child or whoever it is will return to the person we once knew. This is so common. So hope for change is so, so common. It's an honest depiction. And that is, that is a beautiful trait, right? However, when you're in the muck and you love someone with an addiction, that hope can sometimes keep us in a relationship longer than we should or, t- or blurring the boundaries or, you know, so we want to make sure that we recognize that, that this hope um, sometimes keeps us in places a little longer than we should stay. And so I'm not saying stay or go. I'm just saying that there is an honest depiction here that that hope is, it's very common. I like, you know, I still have hope for him that he can, you know, come around, although he's completely out of my life and zero contact. And, um, but yeah, so I have that hope still because I believe he's a good person in there somewhere. So the other thing that you might be experiencing is this fear of abandonment. This happened for me. Um, I just, I was scared to be alone. And I, I was, I guess I stayed longer than I should have. Um, and because I felt fear to be alone, I felt fear to go back into the dating world. I felt fear that uh, if I do leave him, that maybe, you know, he might take his life. Or if I do leave him, that maybe he'll go down worse spiral. Or I had so much fear around it. But I think a lot of the fear was I was, you know, I was going to be alone. That if I confronted him, um, my partner, you know, with the addiction, that he that he would leave me. Or that if I confronted him, that... Uh, that he'd be torn between picking, you know, me well-being and, or keeping his addiction, or I just, you know, what is like, almost like I was, I was toying with, okay, I could leave and then really focus on my well-being. And there's so much going on here that's unacceptable. And it just didn't go with my values and were, it wasn't aligned with my needs. And, or I could leave and then I'd be like, ugh, like that was also scary for me. So you might be experiencing that. That's an honest depiction of what might be going on in your mind. And besides, I really was bought into this relationship. And honestly, it ended up being him. He left because I was getting too much in the way of his addiction. Once I found out about his addiction, or maybe not, that could not be the reason. It could just be like, you know, he didn't want to be with me anymore, but it is unbelievable what we're going through all those emotions and and just like this idea of we we were rationalizing we're trying to figure things out we're scared maybe to be alone or we have this fear of abandonment or you know and the other thing you might feel is this loss of identity I know I felt that too and it was just this like constant focus on him and my, his needs and what's going on with him and why is he acting like this, this and that, that I forgot about me. I forgot about the person that I am. I forgot about my own identity as an individual. And 
it became more and more centered around him. That is such an honest depiction. Okay. So feeling powerless. I'm just going through my notes here really quick. Feeling powerless. Addiction can make you feel powerless. It's out of your control. It's out of your own control. It's your partner's actions and their choices that dominate your thoughts and your emotions. That makes you powerless. And as you know, this whole podcast community is all about how to feel powerful again, focusing back on you. Um, you can move into self-doubt. You question your worth. You question and wonder like if you're doing enough to support your partner. Um, you somehow blame your partner's addiction on yourself. That's very common. Uh, you question what you're doing. Maybe you have distorted priorities. So your, your addict addiction, it, it basically distorts the sense of what's essential in life. So it allows, it basically makes everyone around them prioritize their needs over your own health and your own well-being. And that might be happening. And sometimes we suffer in silence. And that is really a, an honest depiction. We might be feeling very much alone. Um, we might be hiding the secrets of their addiction, hiding the abuse that we're dealing with, hiding the ups and downs, hiding the sadness that we feel in our heart. We fear maybe being judged. We maybe fear being misunderstood or we're not sure where everything's going to take us. So we don't want to throw someone under the bus. So many things might be going on here. And this can really intensify the feelings of isolation. And so I always say this, I am wrapping you with a huge cocoon of compassion and love to you through this line, however it's meeting you, because oh, I just, I don't want you to feel alone. I don't want you to feel isolated. And I really hope that this podcast somehow brings you a bit of comfort today and that it's okay if you're feeling a loss, a grief for the lost relationship, whether that's your spouse, your sibling, your kids, Grief is very co common. It's an honest depiction because you're grieving the loss of someone who's still alive. Uh, your partner, um, you know, before we hold on to our partner before the addiction took hold and we're mourning the loss of that relationship we once had. So, so common. That's honest depiction of what it's like. And then we have that lingering hope for recovery right? Despite all the challenges, everything that's going on, you may continue to hope that your partner will choose to seek help, choose to embark on a path of recovery. And that hope keeps us there. It keeps us, and, and, and that's good. Hope is that one powerful, positive emotion that's married amongst challenge that can help us. So, oh my gosh, I, have, I, I didn't realize how many notes I had here, but I have emotional detachment. We might be detaching emotionally, intense guilt for setting boundaries. We might be feeling constant vigilance. I know I did. I was like, I became a private detective. I like, you know, I was like hyper aware of their behavior. I was looking into getting like a GPS that I could stick on his truck, um, you know, because I wanted to make sure that like checking in for signs of relapse. I remember finding weird powder in the, you know, wondering what this powder was. Um, I just felt even a loss of empathy for him over time because I just felt so, so strained on dealing with that, 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 
person that I, and I was just so frustrated that it led to compassion fatigue. It made it so challenging to emphasize with their struggles. Like what? Oh, so don't be so hard on you. Well, okay. Don't be so hard on me. It's like, oh, like I, I, one time I remember going in the garage, he's like, I just can't do this right now. I remember thinking, okay. It's like, you can't do this right now, but you can go away for the whole weekend and suddenly magically appear and then expect me to be like, okay with that. Anyway, so you can see that, right? So loss of empathy and just, you know what? Oh my gosh. So I hope that I like, I I'm just scrolling down. I have so many on this list. There's so much more. Ah, let's see. Oh my gosh. I'm just seeing if anything stands out. Boundary blurring, shifting blame that happens. So I hope that I really touched on this because I just almost want to validate what it's like, you know, if you're in a relationship with someone struggling with addiction, hearing these experiences, they can validate your own feelings and your own struggles. And just to let you know that you're not alone in facing these challenges and this emotional turmoil that come from supporting someone through addiction or being with someone with addiction, right? And this awareness piece, I hope that this awareness, you know, that it's, it supports you, that it helps you gain awareness in the complexities and the hardships that are involved in such relationships. And that, you know, I hope that it, it helps you understand the impact of addiction, that it can be both, yes, the impact of addiction on the addicted loved one, but all those people around them is so profound and so intense. Also, I want to offer you empathy. I want to. I wanted to offer you understanding. I wanted you to see uh, the commonality or honest depiction of what it's like to be with an addict, so that you can really offer yourself compassion and understanding. Because the, all knowing all of this that t- is typical or honest depiction can help you to offer empathy or foster empathy and understanding towards yourself and towards others dealing with addiction as well. And it helps to reduce any sort of self-judgment or any stigma or any guilt. And it allows you to see the honesty that uh, of what it's like to be with an addict, right? Encouraging more compassion and encouraging that feeling of support. So you're, you know, I'm on your team, I'm with you. And the other thing that I hope that it it helped is this importance, emphasizing the importance of seeking help, of seeking out caring for yourself, of connecting to others who have are going through the same experience or similar experience that you are, to know that you're not alone, to reach out to friends, to not feel isolated, and uh, to start slowly one foot in front of the other, building your focus on you, um, building self-care, self-compassion, emphasizing community and the courage to do that, right? So breaking the silence, getting out there and, and removing that hidden, hidden dark cloud that you might be all surrounded with because you're sunshine, Let's get you like moving, you know, and that's what this whole thing is. Let's move you back into the brightness. Let's move you into the sunshine. And it's almost like walk across the bridge where it's all bright and, and, and you're, you're, you're you. And hopefully 
the addicted loved one comes across the bridge with you, but we have to leave them there to figure it out themselves. And so building up your resilience, focusing on, and I always say your own recovery, but remember not recovery, like you need recovery, like pointing the finger at you, recovering who you are recovering your strength, recovering your resilience, recovering all that has been taken down and stripped from you because of someone else's addiction. That's what this is all about. I hope that it motivates you. I hope that, you know, the key takeaway is that being in a relationship with someone struggling with addiction, it's incredibly challenging. It's emotionally draining. It's isolating. So I really want you to know that when you're facing these difficulties that, you know what, here's an honest depiction of what you might be going through, of what so many others are going through as well to help you navigate that journey. So that's it, my friends. I hope that you found this information helpful. I hope that it supports and helps you prioritize your well-being and to seek out, reach out to support groups, join our Saving You is Killing Me support group. We are all like-minded people ready to just have positivity with you and help lift you up and just even hold you, embrace you when things aren't feeling so great in the midst of the storm of that addiction. Uh, remember that within you, you are strong. You can weather this challenge. We can build your resilience. We can help each other and in really delve into this world of building you back up so you can find that strength. So thank you everyone for listening and for joining us today. And this is the Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction podcast. I also am starting a brand new YouTube channel, which I will be announcing. You'll There's no videos there yet, but I am going to start uh, offering more support on the YouTube platform as well. And because the podcast has been received so well, and I just want to reach people everywhere who might need the support. So if you know someone who is navigating this difficult journey, remember that you are not alone and make sure that you share uh, share this message with them so that they can help them prioritize their own well-being and their own self-care as well. And you can provide support to them. So please, if you found today's episode and today's discussion valuable, consider sharing the podcast with others and our support group in the book, because spreading this awareness and this knowledge, we can create a whole big network of help for those impacted by addiction and we can help them build strength and resilience in the face of this challenging journey. So sending you so much love and hugs through the line and I hope it receives you well and wraps around you and just lifts you up um, and just sending you so much love and hug. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And, of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.